Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast, brought to you by Blue Dead Design. I'm your host, Mark Hirons, and today on the show, episode 91, we have Miriam Isaac, a UX designer from Manchester, UK, but based out of Israel. Miriam was a featured designer on the Instagram Design Lodge, one of six designers that got this achievement. During the podcast, we talk UX, UI, graphic design, banner ads, pop-ups, UX process and tips, along with a few strategies. Miriam also shares loads of great advice, so stick around until the end. And during the show, if you are enjoying it, please do leave a review. It really means a lot and really helps the podcast to grow. So without further ado, this is my podcast with Miriam Isaac. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me. So who are you and what is UX design? Miriam Isaac, I'm a UX designer and I'm based in Israel. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from the UK, from Manchester. So what takes you out there? How can I come out there? Uh, so we just decided to come out here to um, raise my family and yeah, we like the weather. Much better than England. <laughs> it's a crazy decision though, isn't it? Like, why well, is there any reason for it? Just, just decided to pick a place. Um, yeah, no, we just we, we liked Israel. We've got a lot of friends here. Um, got family here, and it's a great. Also, love the tech scene over here, and the startup nation. That yeah, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. So, what is UX design for people who don't know? Oh. <laughs> Good question. Okay, so. Um, Basically, I would say, you know, user experience design has like, um, has three parts. They have the the visual part, the behavioral part, and then the um, the after effect of it. So what you, it's funny because most people won't say that UI, they would, they separate UI and UX. But I would say it's part and parcel of UX because why are we taking away, the word is user experience. Why are we taking away color and type um, from the experience it's we've made a bit of in our need to distinct what the roles we've created this, these kind of silos where we're covering we're seeing a lot of fragmentation in the design industry and I believe that we need to start going back um, to the middle so I would say yeah user experience is the look and the feel of a digital product Nice. Uh, so, so, yeah, what is, are there any main distinctions between UI and UX? Because obviously, like you say, people do just differentiate them and, like, and you're saying they're, they're together. So is, is like, what, what, how come people are distinct and move, move them apart from each other? Uh, so I think it's because the need, because we, there was a moment in historically, I mean, I, and I remember this, I remember being, seeing this happen when I was a graphic designer, seeing that we needed to, increase our deliverables to the client when the when the internet became more advanced so before that point we were creating kind of static websites and we call them pages because that was taking from print and we were and it was quite easy for us we were creating simple pages but once the browser advanced and we started doing things like payments and we started doing things like inputs and all of that we would hand off to the developers and halfway through the production cycle they'll be like well what happens when I press this button (laughs) what happens when I touch this or do that and it was like oh no and then we had to go back to the client and be like oh well we we didn't do this bit and we didn't write that copy and we didn't do that and it was a it was a whole fragmentation of the process and everything took so much longer so we saw that we needed to do um 
what we call now product design or user experience design um, together with the UI. So, and it, we needed, and I guess at the time we needed people to specialize in that and to learn that. So, which is why, you know, we created UX designers. But now I believe, you know, what's happened is that the stemming down of UI and this kind of like, oh, UI designers, UX, or like, they know everything. But really, UXs are also, they're not bringing in the psychological design principle part into their UX design, right. which I believe is a problem in the industry at the moment. So, so what draws you to it? What, what makes you, what made you want to become a UX designer? So I actually started as a graphic designer, um, like, I guess, like most of us. Mm. And, um, you know, it started, for me, it was, um, I was just going to do things like logos and invitations, you know, nothing too crazy. And I joined a, but I found that a lot of work that was coming my way, people were asking for websites and web design. So I was like, oh you know, I can make a bit of cash here. <laughs> so I started learning code and I started like downloading websites and seeing how they were made and taking them apart and putting them back in, in Dreamweaver. Yeah, I use Dreamweaver. <laughs> That's how I started. Um, and, and then I entered a, a startup in, in Israel over here as a primary graphic designer. But during my period there, mobile really came onto the scene and i said we've got to get on this we already had a desktop site we've got to do mobile they were like no no all the audience is on desktop and i was like no 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 it's the future <laughs> <laughs> so eventually they did that too like we got onto that and during that process learning responsive design i also learned user experience because i had to also deliver all these different um interaction stages as well mm -hmm. and i also used data because also it was the first time as a designer I could use data to prove my hypothesis, uh, which is something that the design industry never had before. And we can use real data to say, ah, oh, this is why, you know, this is why we're putting the button there. We're putting that over here. And it also helps um, consolidate that feedback cycle as well. So I was using both the data and customer feedback and also learning UX and kind of mesh that together right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, especially with graphic design it's always like a bit of a hard sell with, with UX design is it a bit easier to sell because you have that value and you, the data backed up behind it yeah I definitely see it's much it's so yeah it's so much easier yeah because you've got them people don't you know you don't argue with facts let's be yeah. <laughs> um, so say you say you've got a slogan or, or like an offer you want people to read is there any specific place you should put that on a website well, for sure, on like, you know, the home page, if you've got, if you want people's attention to be drawn to that, so you put that, you could put a banner on the home page, but also you could also have, put it above the header and right. have um, like a sticky promo so that it's always there no matter where the user navigates. What are your thoughts on pop-up ads? Oh, uh, they're dreadful. They, they <laughs> completely disturb the user. And it's so interesting how they came about because... You know, when you read a magazine, right, and you flip through a magazine and there's ads, you don't mind those ads. You yeah. don't click out those ads. They were actually part of the experience of the magazine. We enjoy them. They look just as good as the regular content as well. Yeah. But we haven't kind of cracked advertising on the internet yet. 
you know, we haven't had this physical experience where it flows within the UX. We're kind of just layering it on top of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe short term, they may convert, but long term, in terms of branding, you're going to just decrease trust and loyalty. Right. Yeah. That's bit, I get bit off on them all the time, especially on mobile. You try to click the small X. It doesn't, you know, you never get anywhere. End up clicking the ad and you don't want to click it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on Vavar, I swear, it's just like, you're like, and then they're like, forget it, I don't want it, I don't want the thing, I'll be fine. <laughs> what's, what's that? Is, Sorry, go on, go on. I think to myself, if this is your experience with mobile, I do not want your emails. I'm yeah, not entering exactly. it. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> is it different? Is there much difference in designing from uh, mobile and um, website? Because it's, I mean, the backstory of it, like, can obviously... The front end, obviously, the visual of it is, is different because you have a smaller space and everything. But the story and the path of the user going through it is that much different? Yeah, it's so much different because, um, because like visually, yeah, for sure, you've got to factor in touch, you've got to factor in um, small sizes and all of that. And also, the journey can be different. The journey could be you coming in from Facebook, you're coming in from an app, you're coming in from um, and most people on mobile will are coming into internet browsers from places like Instagram and Facebook. And you have to realize that this is where they're coming from and, you know, realize that's part of the customer journey. Whereas desktops are nowadays, they're more work machines. People use them more for, you know, jobs and stuff like that. Whereas the mobile would be um, more in leisure time. And you also have to remember that, you know, this is a person's might be their downtime or they might be, in the middle of something so you want are you going to be sending them notifications when they're relaxing it's just going to annoy them they're just going to say oh no more don't want this you know and companies are very into things like in-app notifications and they have the whole strategy how we're gonna you know <laughs> and the email strategy and they forget the environment that we we use our mobiles in which is on the couch at home it used to be like oh you're on the go with your mobile no it's not true we're sitting there on a couch with a bag of chips, <laughs> watching the TV, scrolling on a mobile. That's it. We don't right. use them on the go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's casual scrolling, isn't it? It's just, it's just sitting there, just doing adverts on TV, just scrolling and scrolling, doing nothing. Um, yeah. So you want to send them like an invitation then, like, you know, got to be smart about it, you know? Yeah. Got to make it seamless somehow. Like, how, how do you get someone to stop the scrolling motion and just like focus on an advert, what makes something pop out? So I think, I think, same like magazines as you're like turning, flipping through them, it's got to be within the experience, it's got to be within the scroll to have the ads naturally come down. And I think Facebook's, I think Facebook's actually doing quite well with this in terms of having their ads within the experience. Yeah. And um, I definitely click on Facebook ads, I've definitely done that, yeah. yeah. I think with Instagram too, it's working quite well. Uh, like you, you see them, you see them pop up all the time. It says sponsored. I don't really notice until it's like something completely different to what I've been looking at. So normally I'm just following design feeds and all of, a sudden, all of a sudden I get something related to young people and it's nothing to do with design. And I, <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. And then I realized, oh, it's a sponsored ad, but um, some like they could, they could fit them in a bit better to the audiences. But I think um, in general, like the, the, the look of it is quite seamless at the moment. Uh, but like you say, like pop-up ads and, and banner ads, they're the ones that, that kill me. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, for sure. So so you were involved in the Instagram design launch. Was so it, like? it was so strange. I got this email. 
and I said, hi, I'm Kate from Instagram. And I thought like, I was like, this is a joke. <laughs> Instagram is not emailing me. <laughs> She's... <laughs> So then I checked her out, I checked her email and I checked her out and I was like, oh my gosh, she works at Instagram. <laughs> so I emailed her back and I'm like, hi, yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to be interviewed for yeah. Instagram. Like, I'm just like, just go with it, Miriam. You never know. I really didn't believe it. And then she, she emailed it back and I was like, okay, great. So we got, so she interviewed me and we spoke about, she chose a piece of work of mine and I spoke about that piece of work and how it came about and then she was like okay so you'll um you'll be on the instagram design launch and i was like yeah yeah right yeah no, and then like, a couple yeah. of days later i'm all over instagram and i'm like ah <laughs> it was really cool it was really amazing experience um the feedback was incredible to be chosen as one of six from yeah. all the instagram accounts like it's just mad and it was also mine was like the user experience one so i was so proud to be waving that flag yeah yeah so, so, so what was it what was the project if you're allowed to talk about it and yeah so it was at a previous um a previous client of mine i was creating a actually it it was like a transportation app that was within a database it was um an intercompany application that would help it it and it's um, a youth organization app, so it would help the kids. Um, the bus would pick up the children from different stops within, say, like New York City, and you could follow where the bus is going, um, where the bus is going on the app, so that everyone gets on on the right stop. And you know, the app also like the leader would be able to create the bus route on the app and would be able to notify everyone and you know everyone gets on all safe and sound right yeah so like tracking tracking the kids as they go to school or something yeah this was for for i think it's for a summer camp right or okay. like um you know so tracking them as they get on the bus as they go up to the summer camp yeah oh that's fantastic though yeah do you see much uh much work come back from that yeah for sure i got so much interest i got so much great feedback and it was it's great like it, it was just great that i can say that was one of six i think that was just the biggest compliment yeah that's awesome really that's really cool. so what are your current thoughts on the instagram layout then from a ux design point of view i think it's good i think they recently did an update where they um scaled back a little bit on terms of their i think they had more filled in icons and a more linear now it's it's a good because it really gives the focus on other people's you know work on photos and artwork because it's really a visual yeah. platform and you know that really complements it i think i think instagram's a great platform in terms of ux yeah yeah a lot of people were talking about that sort of instagram tv stuff and bringing that in they could have done it in a better way rather than doing it for app but they've got that little button you don't have to even have to have the instagram app now instagram tv app they've got a little button you can watch it through the instagram app so it works quite well but there's it's, it's like snapchat is sort of getting a bit it feels like it's like nearing that point where it's getting a bit overloaded um, for me anyway. I mean, with, with Snapchat, I don't know if do you use Snapchat much. I don't use it much, but I also don't love the Instagram TV either. I kind right. of ignore that button. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't love what they did with that. And then the, the messaging button, and then they also hit save. So it doesn't, it doesn't flow with their, 
sort of linear look that they're doing on the images. Yeah. They, then they have this like weird gradient going like web 2.0 stuff <laughs> going on in those icons up there and you're like, oh, that's a bit old fashioned. Um, but I guess they wanted to draw attention to it. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, especially with that, um, the Instagram rebrand as well with the, the gradient, they've got to use it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they got to. I remember that uproar when they changed that icon because it was such a good icon. But I also, I see that a lot with brands online um, that they, especially, you know, look at Google and the scaling back. Even MailChimp just did, did you see the MailChimp yeah. design? Yeah, yeah. So they've just scaled back from skimorphism to more flat because they need, they need to be displayed on things like watches, on phones, on screens, big and small. And I'm seeing this trend across the board. And for sure, humans, we're, we're averse to change. We don't like it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we're always going to be like, yeah. no. And whenever I work with clients on A-B testing, I'm like, your numbers are going to go down first. It's okay. This is fine. <laughs> Just, with, you, know, you know, it's like that meme. Where the house is on fire, that dog's yeah. like, this is fine. So it's fine, it always goes down, but then it goes, it, you know, goes back up afterwards. But I would say that these, there's definitely the trend of scaling back to be more agile and flexible on, on digital. Yeah, definitely seeing that with brands more as well. If, if loads and loads of brands, they could probably name most of the big top brands at the moment are, are re redesigning to get this minimal layout, normally have Ethica or some simple sans serif text. Uh, yeah, then it became, when does it start becoming boring though? Because it gets to a point where it's everything that looks the same. Yeah, yeah, for sure that that happens, and um, I see that there was a point where all websites were looking the same, right? They all had this like header, yeah. and they had the three columns underneath, and everyone just looked like that. And then you know, then there's a trend that comes along, and it completely like smashes that. And it, we try things like horizontal layouts, we try things like parallax, and all of that. I, I think, you know, this might just be the flat period and then we'll see a change as we go. It's the same with art movements of the past, you know, there was, you know, with pointillism and, you know, cute, yeah, I can't even, can't figure the top of my head, but, you know, there was periods in art which went to one extreme, then it goes to another and then, you know, meets in the middle. So I just think it's a trend we're going through right now until we really figure out, you know, the what we can really do with the internet because i i remember when we went responsive we all had to go flat because we didn't know how to do gradients in responsive <laughs> we couldn't code it it was too hard because we had been using sprites we'd been using little tiny images to make uh, images on the web and we couldn't use that anymore because it wasn't it wasn't good for mobile and it wasn't good for responsive layout so everyone just went flat yeah, <laughs> and we were there selling flat design to our clients. We we're like, yeah, it's good, it's fine, it's modern, but it was really boring. And now, <laughs> and now it's good to see how we're bringing in shadows again. We're knowing how you know, you know, like take Google Material Design and all of that. We're bringing, you know, we're bringing more live elements yeah. into our digital experiences. It's just about how is the browser going to adapt? How is technology going to adapt to that? You know, you can even see with VR in the virtual reality space, like the experience is still a bit poor, but as technology goes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get better and better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, what's like the, the few apps out there at the moment that you've seen that are really, really good, like UI based? 
I think so, that's off my head. It's funny because I usually go on Instagram for inspiration. And let's face it, a lot of that is fake stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily real stuff. I mean, the apps I use are just the regular Twitter, Instagram. Um, the big ones, yeah. What else do I use? Let's have a look. I'm trying to think of anything I use was particularly, you know, WhatsApp. Um, so, so what are you thinking of when, when I ask that question? Is it what's easy to navigate around or, or like, what gets me to the right places or, or what, what are you thinking about? How, how's, a, think, yeah, how's a website good? I was thinking about what's beautiful. Actually, I was thinking about what's most beautiful. Yeah. That's funny that I think like that, even a music experience designer. I mean, in terms of UX, I would say like ASOS has an amazing user experience. You know, even Candy Crush has an amazing user experience it's really you know it's really addictive they really know how to use the hook model there facebook also really knows how to use the hook model with their notifications and all of that so there's a really strong user ux experience driven apps you know the ones that keep having come back yes what's what's the hook model then <laughs> oh the hook model that's um Ne-Ayal's hook model which he so he's got a book called hook right. Hook, and he talks about how he gets how products are designed in a way that they hook and users and keep you coming back so say for example facebook what they do is you post something and then you get the likes and the likes um ignite give you a dopamine hit right so you feel happy oh, i got a like someone likes me <laughs> Or like someone commented and it keeps you coming back and it's a hook model because it's it's kind of that that circle that you keep coming back and you're hooked to the product. So yeah. social like the best social media apps, they all have this model behind them. Mm. Is that something you, you you try and look for in most websites or is that um or apps as well? Is that or is this, what sort of other models are there as well? If any, it's or is it just well, then you'll have like the e-commerce model, which will, that's all about making whatever you're selling online, making the product accessible and that the user can visualize themselves using the product and giving the right information and breaking down any barriers that they might have in order to buy. Because buying, say, offline, right? It's so funny how we call it offline, online. Buying in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very simple. You go to the store, you hold it, you touch it. It's a very, um, it's, it's a very, what's the word? Um, touchy feeling experience. Um, experiential experience, that's the word for it. And then you go and pay um, with cash or with credit card and then you have it. Online, you, you don't touch it, you just see it, right? You can't, and then you have, and then you buy it, but then you don't have it in your hands. <laughs> it's still, it. yeah. it's like, it's still coming. You don't have it yet. You parted with the money, but you don't have the thing. So then you have to wait for the thing to come. So, and that making that experience better than the offline experience, which is quite, you know, that's a, quite a valuable experience to be able to go and feel something and then have it straight away. Yeah. Um, You've got to make sure your e-commerce experience is top-notch and there's no problems and it's very easy to buy and the user has the information they want and you have videos so they can see it in a in a way that you know in a way that's um 3d right otherwise it's not going to be a great experience because mm. that's what you're competing with well, why do you think like, 
shopping online and e-commerce has become more more and more popular over than actually going and buying it is it just lazy I think it yeah I think it's so easy yeah <laughs> I think it's so easy and I will tell you I think email marketing actually made a big comeback because of e-commerce there was a point there where emails kind of almost died right and then it kind of we shot up with um the e-commerce model and you know nowadays you can get you know sales come through inbox and all that all that stuff you know and it's so easy also to save online with coupons and promotions and what happens is that customers will go into this model of waiting for the next sale online to come and it's so easy they can just wait for the notifications to come or for the email to come and then they're back in the bank on the website and it's so easy you know click buy that dopamine hits and then the present comes in the post and like yay even though i bought it but it's still a present <laughs> yeah, yeah. even like um, i get so excited when, when stuff comes in the post and it's, it's it's a weird feeling now, now that you don't have to go and get it yourself it's it's strange it's, it saves, saves time and yeah it's, it's so convenient like you say um but even even subscription services, I buy food online, and they can get that ordered every every week or every two weeks, and it just keeps like you can stuff to the order, and you can take stuff away. Yeah, it's really really easy, um, and and the, like you say, the, the experience of doing it is so much better than going to Sainsbury's or going to a shop and actually ordering, or actually go and actually picking it up and getting it onto shelves. You don't have to move. It's crazy it's how technology yeah. is just just taking over everything. And it's funny, we also do shopping online for like groceries and I used to think, no, but I like going to a store and I like seeing people and I'm like, oh, no, I don't. I like the stuff coming from my house. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I did a survey with Blockbuster, right? Um, and this was a time where I think Netflix was kind of on the scene. They were emailing DVDs and Blockbuster was kind of at that moment of thinking, ah, oh, should we do this? Should we not do this? Mm. And they did a survey and they, and apparently their customers said apparently um, that the customers like going to see their neighbours at Blockbuster, and then it, and they like buying the popcorn, and they like going to Blockbuster, and it was really, and it's so funny how untrue that was. Yeah. And that really we like sitting on our couch in our pajamas watching Netflix and was... not going to Blockbuster yeah, and ordering absolutely. popcorn in. Yeah. <laughs> I think, think we're just creatures of habit at the end of the day. Do you think that was blockbuster lying or do you think that was actually, was actually true at the time and people just changed their mind? You see, this is also why I'm wary of data sometimes because you can really skew the data in your favour and like you could get feedback and you, then you extrapolate the feedback which the board of directors will like and then it's like, okay. I, and it's also it's the easy thing to do when your company of that size to just kind of validate your own feelings and that's how massive industries get disrupted mm. yeah uh, what problems do you get as a ux designer and, and sort of a daily day 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 to day problems do you get uh all sorts of problems <laughs> um well right now i'm actually i'm doing a lot in the e-commerce space but i'm actually solving i'm actually doing something a bit diff um different nowadays i'm, I'm working on um working on processes and, and design infrastructure and creative in infrastructure i'm helping um a company kind of kind of redesign how we receive work and how we discover work and that's very interesting because it's different it's still problem solving it's still creative thinking in a different mod and i'm kind of using the same model mm. that i use to address 
UX to this and it's very interesting actually it's very interesting experience but you know most of the problems are things like oh you know the user you know is having a hard time getting into the app and or um or, or technical issues or any any sort of thing but it's usually I also do a lot of you know meeting with say founders and they'll have an idea and my job is to bring that to life in prototypes and then wireframes and then design you know they're not necessarily always user problems but sometimes it's just solving a business need or a business objective right yeah with, with design so graphic design you've got a lot of client problems and you you're going back and forth and trying to persuade them uh, on that do you get a lot of client problems of sort of a lot of testing and a lot of going back and forth on changing things um yeah part? we have those problems but we also have a lot of the technical problems like oh it doesn't work on mobile <laughs> right. mm. oh it doesn't work on this one browser that maybe some people use but no our audience loves this browser and it doesn't work <laughs> yeah. and um stuff like that and you know should we include think older versions of internet or should we include you know different um or different devices um you know you really got to make those hard decisions of which devices to support or browsers to support because sometimes we want to execute a certain user experience but the technology isn't there yet and we need to see you know weigh out the pros and cons of that but yeah for sure there's also a lot of you know client feedback and back and forth and the key to that is really guiding the client through the process and really you know, asking the right questions right. when you present the work, asking, does this align with brand, um, with your brand voice, or does this align with the goals of this project? You know, you don't want to get into conversations about fonts or colors or <laughs> anything like that, because that's your area, that's our area, that's really expertise on that. And we should be, you know, focused on the goals and that really creates alignment with the client and also doing discovery properly right at the beginning is is key mm. and then mirroring those discover what you found in discovery during presentation so that everyone's aligned and everyone feels good about themselves what sort of stuff are you looking for in the discovery calls and and what questions you ask so i'll ask questions like um, so it ranges from, you know, who's your competition to define your brand in three words to if we could achieve any, if in your wildest dream, if you could achieve anything with this app, what would it be? You know, those kind of questions really let them. And also at this point, your client also is, they're also defining their brand. They're also defining themselves. And these questions help them define their brand and then you become this invaluable partner to them because you you've asked these questions and you've enlightened that emotion in them and it becomes a brilliant partnership i found whenever i use my discovery process um the clients they always love it they always love the experience and it's always really positive nice uh holding like people's hands through the process is it how do you do that? Because I, I'm trying to, I'm struggling at the moment, trying to get them on board with the ideas. And maybe it's a bad idea, but I have I, I trying to show them the whole thing and how and take them through it. Is there, have you got any tips for that? So I would once again try first before you even like open your computer or or take a pen and a pencil. Sit down 
get to know them, ask their questions, ask what they like, ask what they don't like. You can even do sessions where you bring printouts and, and you put them on a board and you give them stickers and you tell them put stickers on, you know, your favorite designs and you'll have this kind of like heat map of right. what they like, you know, and you can reference that and ask them for words, you know, if you could, you know, if if your brand was a person, what would they look like and why? If your brand was a celebrity and that, you know, who would that be? And those are the images that you benchmark your designs against. And then you also ask them business objectives, like, you know, what do you want this um, app to achieve or this poster to achieve? And then you say, I made this design decision to achieve this goal. Okay. And, and that's also mirroring them as well. And mirroring is a psychological technique that you use to get people to like you. So, <laughs> so when you repeat your words back, their words back to them, they're like, ah, we're the same. Uh, <laughs> cool. We're aligned. Yeah. That works. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. So getting them to, so is it like rewording their, their thoughts and their process? Yeah. 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 And that's, it's not manipulation. Because that's our job. <laughs> it's our job to get the client the best product possible. And you don't want to end up in a place where the client is kind of designing the app, but they don't really know how to design it, but they feel like they, they need to say something and they end up with a product they don't want because you're the expert, you know, and, you've, and at the end of the day, you know, they're going to carry on in their business or in a company, but you're, you need that testimonial. You need that referral. You need to crush that product. Like that product needs to do well. You're, that's, that's on you. Yeah. You know, it's not, you can't be like, oh, the client made me or the client made me. No, 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 no. You've got to take responsibility because that's your name and that's your business. Because, and it's so important. I see, I see too much designers going oh the client the client the client i'm like the client are paying your bills like you can't do that <laughs> do that isn't it it's, it's an excuse it's an easy excuse i think we yeah. do have more responsibility and yeah i agree um and, and turning a turning a bad project into something good as well or even cutting it early if, if it's really you know it's going to be bad then break away from that client and say it's not going to be good i don't think this is ever going to work out um and try and find someone that you can work with I really don't love firing clients. Like, I really don't like it. No. But if you've got to do it, you've got to do it. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. They're wasting their time. They can spend that money on a different designer. You can spend your time making money somewhere else. You know, I say, read those books. Read, you know, there's so much materials out there on how to present and how to, how to discover and how to handle client work. It's, it, the education is out there. And definitely take advantage of it. I mean, we live in the internet age. It's amazing. We don't have to go to a library. We don't need a, necessarily a mentor. You know, we don't have to go do internships. We can just learn everything online. It's pretty brilliant, in my opinion. Yeah. Is there any good resources for UX design online? Like, what are your favorites? So, I, I use Medium a lot. Yeah. I love Medium. It's great. Um, they've got literally the best and the freshest you know, user experience articles. And I actually just read an article recently about someone, the confessions of a UX designer. <laughs> and he was like, we wasted so much time arguing about the hamburger menu. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he's right. We did, we wasted so much time about that. We got so caught up in semantics and we got so caught up with no one's gonna know what this is, but that 
that's language learning that's you know we we make we create the icons and then people learn them and it's a learning curve it can't always be like don't make me think because don't make me think came from a time where you know think about printers and the messages they give you we don't understand what earth printers are saying to us yeah. <laughs> and there's no ROI on printers and no one's going to invest in the UX copy on the printers but with computers and the internet there was a lot of ROI on that so we've invested time in learning how to create great user experiences and that was coming from a place of just tell the user what to do but now we've moved into the area of experience right which goes back to the whole UI argument and talking about how we have to use color and animation and all of that to delight our users and give them an experience it's not just about not making you think it's about drawing your user in and delighting them and how can we do that without color (laughs) without branding experience without emotionally without designing with emotion that's all part of it it's all part and parcel yeah unless you're viceland they just use black and white but uh, have you had a viceland or viceland Vice, no, no, Vice, V-I-S, uh, V-I-C-E. Oh, what's that? Uh, it's like a, a YouTube sort of news channel. Um, it's just a sort of documentaries and their branding is just black and white. It's really it's clean. It's but that's also, they thought about that. That's an yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really good as well, but because of the black and white, it's, it, it sort of contrasts with their content as well, I think, because their, their content goes deep into the, the reasons why certain stuff's happening. I mean, they, they do documentaries and everything like gun violence in brazil or, or syria or, or stuff in the uk it's it's crazy like really really good youtube channel um and uh, it's really well known as well and and yeah i think this that black and white feel of it is is quite cool because it's contrasting um but yeah like you say it's all it's all thought about it's all done for a reason is it conspiracy theories no 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 it's all real stuff yeah it's, it's all real stuff yeah yeah i'll check it out i'll check it out it's really good um so what's the future of UX design? Where's, where are we going to go in the future? Oh, that's such a good question. It's hard to guess as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say definitely augmented reality is definitely going in a very interesting place. I think VR will stay in the gaming arena because I would say the whole get-up of VR isn't very, it isn't very human-friendly like on a day-to-day basis. It's like Google Glass, it's very weird. It didn't take off. Spectacles also a bit weird. Someone's watching me, yeah. uh, but mobile phones, people don't mind. <laughs> yes. People don't mind like people holding up their phones. People don't mind being on their phones in public. It's very normal. And mobile phones were, were able to kind of integrate in our day-to-day lives. So I think augmented reality is really where we're going because that, that will just enhance day-to-day life as opposed to escaping day-to-day life in, in VR, which I think VR is great, for, but I think it's going to stay in the gaming arena. I don't think it's going to be mainstream. Yeah. Um, I would say yeah. argument reality, though, where you, get your, where you take your phone and you sort of, you know, and it changes the reality around you through the phone, I think that's, I think that's the next level because that's going to bring, you know, another level of experience in real life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think with places like museums already and, and um, companies like Apple already investing quite heavily in that, it's quite cool. Um, and, and like you say, it's definitely going to go that way. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see with VR, like if it's going to be gaming or if we are actually going to go to the shops and 
pick up and just sit on the sit on the sofa all day. And if we can mentally go to the shops and um, and like buy stuff, uh, or like even like walk into a website and, and buy stuff and then come home and, and take off the goggles and it's actually there in real life. Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe I do think maybe the meeting meeting other people in VR. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I think that has potential. And I see Facebook um, doing a lot in that space because, of course, friend, Facebook's all about making friends online yeah. and keeping in touch with friends. And I think being able to be in a room with like someone across the world in a VR manner could be very cool, especially with like loved ones and relatives and stuff. Yeah, we could do some spooky stuff with your dead relatives there. That could be oh, <laughs> yeah, it could be weird as well. <laughs> <laughs> How far do you take it? Though? That's the question. Like, you could get, yeah, you get it's like Black Mirror, isn't it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good. Good program that. Um, oh, such a good, really scary. Yeah, it's really scary because it could really. It's not that far off, like yeah. you know that kind of thing, especially with robotics. Oh yeah, robotics is a massive one. It's definitely AI, and I would say the future of work. You know, it's also something at risk as well in terms of robots taking over, um, not taking over the world, like just taking nice. over the, the work. Because <laughs> you just, I just read an article that these, they just replaced like 60 factory workers somewhere with, with AI. And that is scary. We have to retrain, we have to provide training programs and retraining programs for people who, who just have basic skill sets. And I don't think the world i mean i think western civilizations like england like america israel um have that ability but not everyone has high speed internet not everyone has accessibility to higher education um you know it's gonna you know countries like you can imagine third world countries like india or china where there's a lot of factory workers we've got to retrain these people or they're going to be out of jobs mm. and creative creativity is going to be the space where you know where future work will be like someone's got to create the robots you know someone's got to fix the robots but with any technology also there's also been a new creation of jobs as well you know like when they create the computers they're like oh no we're not gonna have you know i don't know what was before <laughs> Yeah. Well, I reckon it starts off with them taking over the work, then they start fixing themselves. They can, it's like a nurse, like a robot nurse or a doctor. They start fixing themselves, and they start, slowly start killing off all the humans. They get bigger and stronger. That's then but everybody... I... <laughs> that's, but that's only robots can achieve conscious, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I don't know. I've researched since this. <laughs> I just Black Mirror and it scares me. <laughs> yeah, no, Black Mirror is very scary. But like, yeah, <laughs> AI is a scary one. But we have to be ready to retrain our retrain our generation. Yeah. Have you seen what Elon Musk was saying about AI and and um, sort of robot stuff and all that sort of technology uh, side of it? No, I haven't. I, I've, I've seen him talk about um, like cars and SpaceX. What's he saying about robots? Yeah, he was just warning everyone not to go too quickly about sort of the robot side of it. Because um, he was a bit scared. He's a strange character anyway, but he's really? a bit scared. Yeah, he sounds like he's a bit scared of uh, it growing too quickly and then not really knowing how to 
defend against them. <laughs> Scary man. Oh, he thinks that. Oh, he actually thinks that. Yeah. Well, if we go too quickly, you know, he, he says he doesn't really know where it could go, but it's technologically, techno, techno, I can't even say the word now, Technolo technological advances go too quickly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he, he doesn't know. It could be scary, he says. He says, just warns people, that's all. Um, wow, that's scary. <laughs> you know, that's scary if he's saying it, because he's really clever. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the most scary thing about it. Like, if he's yeah. saying it. Keep practicing. Nice. Keep practicing. Because, you know, right now you're not, today you might not think you're so good and the work's not so good, but keep going at it and one day it will just all fall into place. Awesome. I like that. Uh, what's your best purchase under $100 or what currency is that over there? Is it sh shekel? shekel? Is shekels? 100 shekels yeah. not a lot. <laughs> I, think I think I did a conversion rate. It's about 500 shekel. Well, I have 500 shekels. My best pitch. Yeah. Oh, God. Anything. You, you can't say computer, can you? <laughs> Not for a hundred pound that. <laughs> no. What's my best? Wow, that's a really good one. It must be so. It must be a book. Then I must. I bought a book called Crucial Conversations, and it's a book about how to have um, crucial conversations when stakes are high. So when you've got to sit down with someone and you've got to. Um, you help them give them critical feedback on their performance and this book teaches you how to do that and it's a book that I personally wish I read years ago I just think it's so invaluable in you know not just at work but also at home and um, you know interpersonal relationships I think it's brilliant awesome so crucial conversations yeah um, finally it's quite a deep question but how do you want to be remembered Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I can ask him that question. It's quite cool to see what people answer. Answer us. It's so morbid. Um, you think of it that way, or you can think uh, that's quite cool. It's a nice goal to aim for. Um, I want to be known that I was a generous, giving person. Awesome. Yeah, wicked. We gave gave you time for me today, so I appreciate that. Um, oh, of course, no problem. This was fun. Yeah. No, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Where can people find you and say hello? Okay, great. So um I love I love people reaching out on Instagram. So at um Isaac eighty five. Uh Instagram and then also I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. You can also Miriam Isaac, yeah. But I love like Instagram, so DM me, that's great. Fantastic. Thanks very much. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Graphic Design Podcast, a Blue Day design called Creative Waffle. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would really mean a lot to me if you did leave a little review if you're on iTunes or the audio version. And if you are on YouTube, please leave a little comment down below in the comment section. It helps to grow for the podcast. It sends positive vibes around the internet. And if you're happy to share it around on social media, please do tag at Blue Day Design or at Creative Waffle. Thanks very much for watching this episode. I'll catch you.